0: Keep your Bibles open there at Colossians chapter 2. That's where we'll be studying in just a few minutes. For those of you who are visiting with us, we're glad that you're with us today, and we want to encourage you to come back and worship with us at every opportunity that you may have. For those of us who are members here, I want to show you something that we have on the table in the foyer. Many of you may have already noticed these, but uh, we have postcards announcing our gospel meeting. And uh, like we have done with regards to our Friends and Family Day, we ordered uh, several hundred of these, so everyone will be able to have an opportunity to invite your neighbors and your friends. Let me encourage you to pick five of your friends and to send them a card and ask them to come and to worship with us on that Lord's Day. I know that Brother... uh, Gary is going to do a wonderful job of preaching the gospel, and he's going to be discussing with us, prepare to meet thy God. Now if you will, let's focus on Colossians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, and we're going to study through verse 10. As I have attempted to do each week in these expository lessons, I like to begin with a question or two in order to focus our attention. First question, are you easily distracted? I thought some of you might happen to look over to the door to see if I was distracted. You know, the truth is, many of us do find things that distract us. Something goes on in front of us, something goes on near us, and we hear it, and that captures our attention. In the book of Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 38, Jesus came to the home of two sisters, they also had a brother, and Luke records for us, now it happened as they, as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. and She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. Now notice what Luke says in verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Most of us are of the same nature as Martha. Someone comes to our home and knocks on the door and we say, come on in. Can I get you something to drink? Can I take your coat? And we begin to focus on our hospitality. And we are distracted to many times or at many times because we are not focused on the person's purpose for being there. We find ourselves, like Martha, losing sight of what is very important. Jesus goes on to say that Mary chose the good part which would not be taken away from her. In the book of Second Timothy chapter 4 in verses 3 and 4, we make this applicable to the situation in which we live. We realize that when it comes to the preaching and teaching of God's word, that it's easy for us to be distracted. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn away their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables." We recognize that there are always people who have things that are more important to them. They have their own desires, their own wishes. And what happens? If there's something that we are interested in, that will distract us. Let me give you an illustration right now. Some people have more interest in sports, more interest in current events, than they do in the preaching of the gospel. And because they do, when it comes time to, do I focus on the lesson? Do I focus on the sermon? Do I go to church? Or do I go to a place where I can do what I want to do? You see, he talks about their own desires. It's easy for people to become distracted. Let's ask the second question. Are you easily deceived? That is, can someone trick you into believing something that's not correct? In Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 16, Moses is with the children of Israel. They're just preparing to go into the promised land. And through the Holy Spirit, we read, Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside to other gods and serve other gods and worship them. When they get into the land, they're going to have people living around them who are going to be worshiping different gods. Don't let your hearts be deceived in giving into that. I am fully convinced that our country today is given over to this kind of mentality. We have people who say, yes, we're a Christian nation, but when it comes time to worship a god called Allah, People say, oh, well, it's all right. Let them be Muslims if they want to be Muslims. If it comes time to have some sort of an oddball religion, everybody says, well, everybody can believe what they want to believe. And pretty soon we find ourselves agreeing with people who believe other religions. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Paul writing Timothy says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter time some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. There are going to be people who will come and teach the devilish doctrine. And people are going to give in to it. The Colossians were susceptible to these temptations. And guess what? So are we. So this morning, what I want us to do is look at verses 1 through 10. First of all, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7 and see Paul's emphasis on persuasive words. Then we will look at verses 8 through 10, and we'll look at this pernicious philosophy. If you don't know what the word pernicious means, it means hurtful or destructive. And then we're going to notice the proper focus that one should have Let's begin with verses 1 through 7, and I encourage you to read along with this, because this is some really rich teaching from God through the Apostle Paul. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to the, all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom, and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. The first thing that I want you to notice is Paul expresses concern. He is concerned with the brethren that live in Colossae, Laodicea. And he says, all the brethren that have not seen my face in the flesh. These are brethren that Paul has never met. Do you realize we've got brethren in a number of places? This past week, I've had brethren contact me from the African nation of Ghana. We've got brethren that live in a number of the parts of the world in a few weeks. In fact, three weeks from today, I'm hoping to be on the island of Crete. And I've tried to make contact with our brethren who live there on the island of Crete to see if it's possible for us to be able to worship with them. These are people that I have never seen in the flesh. Should we have a concern for the church as a whole? Not just here at McMenville. Not just the people we see and we know. In First Peter 2.17, he says, Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Brethren, we need to love the Lord's people wherever they are. To have a concern for them. I understand the importance of church autonomy. I understand what the Lord teaches about one congregation being standing separate. But I do also understand that we are all baptized into one body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Paul says, I want you to know this great conflict that I have for you. The word for conflict. Great conflict there is the word agon, from which we get our English word agony. Paul was literally agonizing over the situation. He saw these brethren, he saw the temptations that was being placed in front of them, and what Paul wanted to do was express his concern. It's necessary to show concern for the strength and stability of the church. Sometimes we're, we're concerned about a lot of things. But brethren, the focus must be on the strength and stability of the Lord's people. Now beyond that, Paul expresses a care and a wish for them to comprehend what God has done. Notice with me that your hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. We need brethren who will be encouraged when they get together and they come and brethren express the kind of love and concern that there should be for one another. We really care about what happens to you, about your spiritual strength. You drop down, he says... The full assurance of understanding. Notice you are assured when you understand who God is. And you understand who Jesus is. In fact, he goes on to say, Both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When we think about riches, we think about treasures, he said that's where all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found is in God and in Jesus Christ. One of the greatest vaccines for error is to have a happy and healthy congregation fed upon the Word of God. Happy because we are delighted in the fact that we are Christians. Healthy in the sense that we are strong, that we're able to resist all of the disease of sin. Paul had a concern for the church there. Now, when you drop down, Paul is going to say that now I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Being persuasive is not bad. If a person is speaking truth. If someone is able by means of preaching or teaching you to do what is right, that's good. Notice with me, for instance, Acts 26, verse 28. Paul was meeting with Festus and Agrippa. Paul focuses his message on Agrippa. He said, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe the prophets. He is trying to do everything he can to get to Agrippa. And here's what Agrippa says in verse 28. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. That's good. Or you go to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. If because I study God's Word, I become convinced that a person who does not obey God is lost, I've got a motivation, an incentive, if you will, to try to reach people, try to persuade them. You need to prepare for eternity. The persuasive part must be the content. Too often... People are caught up in a person's personality. Their eloquence to speak. Their ability. But listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, verse 4. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Verse 4. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and power. You go to chapter 1, verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now notice this qualification. Not with words of wisdom or wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Paul is saying, when I came, I didn't want you to... Think that I could be able to craft words so that they sounded very uh, beautiful, flattering, if you will. He said, "What I wanted to do was to be able to persuade you. Here's the gospel; you obey it." But you know, people can sometimes be persuaded to do bad things. When Solomon wrote the Book of Proverbs, it is written to his son. The purpose of this book is to try to reveal a number of pitfalls in life. One of them, when you get to chapter 7, is the strange woman. He says in verse 5, That they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Drop down to verse 21. With her enticing speech she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips... She seduced him. Solomon's saying, You better be careful. There's some persuasive words out there to do wrong. Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. Verse 17, he says, Mark those who are causing divisions and occasions of stumbling among you. And then he explains why in verse 18. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by their smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. There are people out there who have beautiful words. Words that have just been so well crafted that you say, oh, I just love to hear that. But he said in doing so, they deceive the hearts of the simple. In Matthew 27 and verse 20, you can see it happen. The Jews had Jesus arrested. Pilate has a choice. He can either release to the crowds Jesus, who's done nothing wrong, or he can release to the crowds Barabbas, who was an insurrectionist. And here's what you read. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. People can be persuasive sometimes. The tongue has the power for good and evil. Proverbs chapter 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. In Luke 6 and verse 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. What you have to understand is that people can use persuasive words. Now let's move now to really where Paul is trying to focus his attention. It's on this pernicious philosophy. And notice with me carefully verses 8 through 10. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. Now Paul is going to use some very important key words in these verses. just four of them I want to take notice of. The first one is the word beware. The second one is the word cheat. The third is the word philosophy. And number four is the traditions of men. Let's look at that for just a second. The word beware is from the word to see. But whenever you find it in the imperative mood, which it's, that's a command, it's of the same sense as, watch out! Open your eyes! If you're watching a baseball game, and the batter hits the ball, and the ball's flying through the air, someone say, watch out! You're going to be hit with that ball! You have to understand that's what he's saying. In Hebrews 3, verse 13, beware, verse 12, beware, brethren, lest, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Open your eyes. See what's before you. Second word, cheat you. This word only occurs here in the Bible and it is a word which means to carry off as a prey or booty. Someone comes along and they kill something and they take it off. Or here's a conquering nation. They come and they conquer and they take away the booty, the prize of their conquering. You think about what he means by that. Let no one cheat you. Second John verse 8. Look to yourselves that we do not lose the things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. You know, here you become a Christian. You strive every day to live faithful before God. And someone comes in and they sow the devil's doctrine. And you believe it. They've cheated you. They cheated you out of your reward in heaven. You've let them take your faith off. Luke 8 and verse 12. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then comes the devil and takes away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. Let me tell you what's going on in a lot of places today. There're so-called preachers walking in so-called pulpits and they're opening up and they're discussing the current day's headlines there are others who are dealing with pop psychology all kinds of of emphasis upon man's thinking and how he feels And people can embrace that, and in doing so, they're being deceived because the devil's not letting the Word get in the heart. He's letting the doctrines of men. The third word in this section of key words is the word philosophy. And it simply means the love of wisdom. There's nothing wrong with loving wisdom. A person ought to love wisdom. But in the Bible, this kind of wisdom is worldly wisdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21, where is the wise, where is the scribe, where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the Foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. You see, the world through its wisdom does not know who God is. No, really is interested in who God is. Chapter 3, verse 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. God looks at the way the world reasons and says, It's not worth anything. Number four is the traditions of men. When you get to Matthew 15, there were people who were there confronting Jesus by telling him he was doing things that was illegal, unlawful. And the Lord responded by pointing out, I'm not doing something unlawful. But what has taken place is you have actually created your own set of laws and tried to put them on top of God's. You've made your own set of rules and regulations. Matthew 15 verse 9 And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. just so happens that in Titus chapter 1 Paul's been talking about Titus ordaining elders in every city because there was things lacking there in Crete. And then he talks about the statement made about them and he says, This is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. When I start Preaching and teaching the commandments of men, then I'm no longer preaching and teaching the commandments of Christ. That is a distraction. And that is a deception. Now, let me try to bring all this together. Paul reveals that these distractions and diversions take the focus off of Christ. Verse 8. According to the tradition of men and according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. You mentioned, I, if you'll remember, I mentioned at the very beginning the question, are you easily distracted? Can someone get your attention in another direction? That's all the devil really wants to do. Get your attention off of Christ. Why? Verse 9, For in Him dwells all the fullness of of the Godhead bodily. He doesn't want you to look and see who Jesus is. He doesn't want you to see what he has done, the pathway that he has established before us. Verse 10. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You see, I don't need these fables. Don't need this philosophy. I don't need these commandments of men. Nor do we need these persuasive words. Everything is bound up in Jesus Christ, who he is and what he is. That's got to be the proper focus that we have. The devil seeks to entice us with worldly wisdom. Oh, if you'll just listen. Give me your ears. Let me distract you for just a little bit. However, there are empty promises with some disastrous results. When Peter wrote Second Peter chapter 2, he described some of these people and how they operate. He said, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh Through lewdness, the ones who are actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also is he brought into bondage. They're going to tell you, if you'll just listen to what we're presenting to you, you'll find all this liberty. And what Peter says, no, it's not liberty. It's bondage to sin. The devil really wants you. He wants your soul. He wants you to be lost like him. And all we need is found in Jesus. Don't take your eyes off of him. Don't take your directions from anyone else. This morning, the purpose of the lesson has been to remind us of the importance of focusing on Jesus. And if we are focusing on Him, we understand that He died on the cross for our sins. All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned aside to his own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53 and verse 6. You and I need to be appreciative of the fact of who He is and what He is. And that means that we have to believe that He is the Son of the living God to confess our faith in Him and be baptized for the remission of our sins. Tonight, or this morning, if you need to be obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ, That's His teachings, not ours. We want to encourage you to follow Him, not any man. If you're a child of God and you have been walking separate and apart from the Lord, we want to urge you this morning to correct the mistakes you've made because the Lord is willing and desiring to forgive If you need to come, would you come as we stand inside?